Hello, and welcome back to Talk and Shop, the official podcast of the FSU and Florida Flambeau, uh, Florida State student newspaper. Uh, I am your host, Logan Grutchfield. Uh, today, I'm joined by Jake Mossing of the Null Zone. And Jake, just to get us started, could you tell us a little bit more about the Null Zone? Yeah, the Null Zone is the official student section of FSU basketball. So any Florida State student that is in the student section is technically a part of the Null Zone. However, we do have a board. So we have 18 people working behind the scenes and they're working on our social media pages. There's a marketing team working on giveaways. There are student section leaders who dress up and paint up for every single game and try to bring as much energy to the student section as possible. We have one sheet chairs who are writing dirt and funny sayings about the opposing team and and we're handing those sheets out to every student that comes in and then overall we just have a lot of people working behind the scenes and trying to enhance students experience when they come out to basketball games and just get as much hype as possible for the team that's awesome i know this student experience definitely at basketball can be a great one i think as anyone who was at the louisville game last year could tell you that the Tucker Center can get absolutely electric, um, certainly more so than Doe Campbell on an average Saturday, as we have seen so far this year. So, um, Jake, I know that you are itching to talk basketball in this episode. I want to start with football here, though. And uh, there's another rough game for Florida State. Uh, they lost 38-22 to the North Carolina Wolfpack. And I, I'm going to be honest here, Jake. Let me know what you think. I think – just making it through that week after all of the news that we had about um, James Blackman opting out to Morian Terry opting out Marvin Wilson getting hurt for the rest of the year, Devonte love Taylor being out for the rest of the year. Um, and I mean, that's three starters, three former starters, uh, I guess with Blackman's status before the end of the year that were just out. So, I mean, I mean, what, what do you think? I, I felt like just the kind of, toll that takes on a team was was substantial and I don't I don't know that they could have really dug their way out of that I completely agree it just seems that the whole aura and mantra behind FSU football is not great right now there's no positive news whatsoever coming out of that locker room which is unfortunate but I think the biggest point is that Jordan Travis was out I mean he's really been the one glimmer of hope that the Knowles have had this season because of his ability to move around in the pocket because our offensive line isn't that great. So his running ability kind of makes up for that. And with him out along with the rest of the guys that you just mentioned, yeah, there wasn't much hope. So, but, but I I do think it went better than, than we thought it would. Oh, for sure. And now just talking about Travis here, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think the offense, when he's not there, there's just, there's definitely a missing piece of that offense you know, despite his – he's clearly not Joe Montana or Troy Aikman in the pocket. I don't think anybody's making that claim. But I, I think just his ability to move and make things happen with his legs really offsets some of the, the shortcomings in his passing game. And Chubba Purdy, who's now out for the season, and Tate Rodemacher really have not showed that same capability. So, um, I mean, looking forward – I, I think just consistency here for an FSU team. I, I believe in Mike Norvell and that he can, I think he can get the job done with time. I don't know how patient 
the FSU administration might be. I don't know how patient fans will be. I don't know how patient boosters will be. But for the next year, could you see Jordan Travis as, I mean, kind of the guy that the FSU offense can lean on? Or, or what do you think? I really could. We've seen a lot of great things from him this year. And over the offseason, if he really focuses on throwing and, and getting better, better in that respect, he can be really dangerous. He already is, but that'll enhance his game a thousand times more. And I think Mike Norvell really needs time to get his recruits in there because all the guys this year, they're Taggart's guys. And I don't think it's fair as a Florida State fan or just looking from an outside perspective to criticize Mike Norvell already and say, this is your problem. Get him out of there. He needs time. And I think I truly believe if he gets his guys and recruits in there and gets the right guys, I think we can have a really great team at Florida State. Get the offensive line in check, put some nice wide receivers in. Our running back game seems strong right now. Continue that and obviously work on the defensive end. But like I said, overall, give him two or three years and then then see what happens. I completely agree. I, I think he's got you know, I, I'm hesitant to pin too much on Willie Taggart. I think there were some pretty systemic issues before he arrived. Um, but I, I think Norvell kind of offers the right coaching recipe, if that makes sense, to kind of fix some of these issues. I, I it, do, it is really miserable to see. I, I mean, I think with a, a two and six record and a game against Clemson that is looking more and more like a bloodbath. I mean, just every day it gets closer. I mean, I'm I'm almost tempted to call 2020 and lost cause. But, I mean, I think despite that and despite some of maybe the – what he's been – the ground he's been trying to make up this year, I completely agree with you. I think give him a few years. I hope he'll actually be given a few years and won't be, you know, run out real quick. But – um Again, yeah, I, I, I think he can do it given time. Now, talking about the NC State game, um, trying to think of a few positives here. I do think that that offensive line kind of grew into the game a little bit. Um, I mean, especially without Devontae Love-Taylor, who could kind of play various positions on the line, guard, tackle, you know, wherever you might have them, um, anywhere but center. Um, I was really worried about that. I mean, especially – now, they had played, I think, a little bit better than they had last year. Uh, that's not saying they played well by any means. But, you know, it's certainly better than just, you know, five turnstiles up front. So um, I was pretty pleased with the way that that young line did. You know, I'm hoping that that performance can be replicated. Um, and besides that, I'm struggling to find too much. I do think Purdy got better as the game went on. But now he's gone for the season. So it's not looking great. And then now we have news that Corey Durden has opted out as well. Yeah, so, it's, it's really unfortunate with all the injuries and guys leaving. And like we discussed earlier, things just aren't positive. But like you said, with the NC State game, we had four of the offensive linemen were freshmen. And mm-hmm. I think we had six freshmen on offense um, who were starting. So like you discussed, this season is basically a wash. We're two and six right now being 35 point underdogs against Clemson, the reigning national champions. Things aren't looking great. That's projected two and seven with only a few games left. So 
all we can do right now is build on the little things, focus on recruiting and get the freshmen as much playing time as you can and as much experience because going forward, that'll be huge. You're absolutely right. And I, I think, you know, this is kind of the time to say, all right, you know, this year isn't going to be productive. I don't think anybody, I mean, just looking at the numbers, Clemson has put up 34 points every single game this season. Florida State has allowed at least 34 points, and I want to say four, if not five, of the games that they have played. Um, and they've only put up 34 once, and that was against FCS Jacksonville State. I mean, and that was the struggle to get there. So, I mean, if they they did put up 41, but that's against a team that's not even in their bowl subdivision. You know, so they're, there's no way they're doing it against number two. So, um, I, 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 your point is definitely a, a good one. Um, I think that just the team needs to start rolling out the younger guys. I do wish Chuba, this is a really an opportune time for Chuba to get hurt because I think the NC State game was his first opportunity to get meaningful reps. You know, it wasn't just he's down by 27 and getting flushed out of the pocket every single snap and having to run for his life. He's not, well, he, he's still having receivers drop plenty of passes, um, but he's getting actual meaningful gameplay. So, and I am glad for this opportunity for Jordan Travis to kind of refine this game. I hope Tate Rodemacher may be able to come in and get a few reps. Now, what have you thought of his performance this year? I know he really has only had opportunities against Miami, and I think against that Miami defense, against De'Aaron King, against the capabilities of that team, you know, I don't know that, you know, I don't know who you could have put on in behind, under center with the issues that are on this offense and gotten a win there. And then against, I think, Jacksonville State, he was pulled. Um, and then he came in here against um, North Carolina State. Yeah, I completely agree, Jake, um, especially what, with, with what you said about Tate. He's definitely young. He's still learning about this offense. Um, I, I know I think he was a early graduate. Um, so I know he's had a little bit more time than Chuba. I think the inexperience is definitely present there for both of them. Um, but I, I think you and I are definitely sharing the hope that they will um, improve significantly, you know, with just more reps, more time in a game. Now, going into this Clemson game, it's kind of hard for me to find much positive to look at. What are you, what are you thinking here? Yeah, personally, I'm really worried about the Clemson game. The first point that makes me worried is that they just lost to Notre Dame. So obviously they're very upset. They're the reigning national champions and they're not used to losing. They hate losing. That loss has lost them a lot of respect mm -hmm. around, around the world, around the United States, I would say. And they're really trying to gain that respect back for one. And two, they're also coming off a bye week after the loss to Notre Dame. So they've had a lot of time in between to prepare and watch film on Florida state to be ready for them. And then the third point of emphasis is that they're, would-be Heisman before he got coronavirus, Trevor Lawrence, basically the best player in the league in the NCAA. He, he, he's been out two weeks for, for COVID and then the bye week. So three weeks, he's itching to get back on the field and, and show the world what he's got. So for those reasons, I think it could be a Clemson-Georgia Tech game where Clemson defeated the Yellow Jackets 73-7. to I hope it doesn't get that bad, but I could definitely see it getting there. No, I completely agree. And I mean, I think you just kind of look at 
you look at Clemson's roster and it's like, all right, who do you want to beat you? You know, you got um, Travis Etienne. You know, he can just run all over you. I mean, you got Amari Rogers at wide receiver. He's been going insane this year. Um, and do do they have Lawrence back for this game, or is he still isolated? He's back. He's oh ready to go. Gosh, those, I mean, so you got basically a generational talent under center as well. So there's really, you know, just pick your poison here for Florida State. You know, who do you want? Who do you want to get carved up? Do you want it to be your line and your linebackers with the uh, ETN? Do you want it to be your secondary with uh, Mari Rogers and Trevor Lawrence? You know, just my goodness, you know. And then I, I mean, Clemson's defense has clearly done the job. You know, I don't know that Jordan Travis. I just don't. Uh, if you were gonna plan somehow, I think if you were Florida State, the only way that you could beat a team like Clemson is if you could somehow knock them off balance really, really badly, I, I don't see that happening. You know, I don't, I don't know who – I mean, unless somehow they're not able to stop Purdy or, excuse me, Jordan Travis, you know, running the ball, unless that completely throws them for a loop. I don't I, – I just cannot – I'm not sure that I can point to a path to victory. Whereas, like, for other games this year, it's like, okay, obviously it'll be quite difficult – but, you know, if you can do, you know, if you can flush out whoever, you know, if you can, you know, slow down the run game, if you can do this, that, or whatever, you know, you could give yourself a chance. You know, now, did Florida State do that a lot of the times? No. You know, but here it's like you got three just guys that are could probably tear up half the teams in the NFL, and they're playing Florida State. You know, it's now it's like, geez, Louise. So, um, no, I, I think there's going to be, you know, five touchdowns uh, as a, as a five touchdown underdog. That's unbelievable. So. I agree. They just have too many weapons, plain and simple. And if you just look at, they played Miami earlier this season and won 42 to 17 and Miami was ranked 12th in the country. They're a good team overall. And Clemson just ran them over. Well, Florida State played Miami too as well this season, and we lost fifty-two to ten. So yeah. if that's any indicator of how this Saturday's game is going to go, it's not looking great. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I do hope that maybe now going back to what we were saying earlier about Tate Rodemacher, um, I'd almost not be surprised if also Jordan Travis has just been so fragile in these past few games that he may very well get injured again. And have to come out again. I hope that does not happen. But, I mean, he doesn't seem like he's been able to consistently survive, you know, these ACC defenses that he's been playing against. So, um, I hope that will not be the story against Clemson. But, I mean, if there's a defense that might run all over you, it would be Clemson. So, um, now, also, the alternative is that the game could just get so lopsided that – Mike Norvell may well say, all right, let's put Rodemacher in. Let's give him a little bit of action here. We know that you're far behind, but just see, you know, evaluate you a little bit more as a passer. Because especially now with uh, Chubba being out, I will say I do feel like James Blackman picked a pretty bad time to walk away, you know, given that. I mean, he could have gotten some playing time, but probably wanted to save some eligibility, you know, get out while he still can. Um 
you know, I I think Tate Rodemacher's got to be pretty excited about his plans in the Florida State offense going forward, just with the injuries that have kind of gone up and down this roster, the up the um, opt-outs, that's the word I'm thinking of, that have just gone up and down this roster, just getting absolutely carved up. So I don't know that there's much, you know, much in the way of matchups. Or what are you thinking here? I mean, is there much analysis that we can really give that, you know, would offer insight into the blowout that we'll probably inevitably see? It's it's tough for me. I am with you with the Travis thing. If he does play and starts, uh, Clemson has the best defense in the NCAA, definitely ACC, and they have some top talent uh, in all aspects of their defense. So, Travis has gotten away a lot of the time with r- running the ball against other ACC teams, and, and you've seen it a few times. He's gotten banged up. That's what happens when you run it 15, 20 times a game. Yeah. And him doing that against Clemson with some of the best athletes in the league just can't happen. He's going to get torn up. We need to we need to feed our running backs. Hopefully Webb and, and Corbin can, can get something going for us, and that way Travis won't have to come out of the game and get hurt. But – it would be nice to see Tate in there as well and get him some more experience as long as our offensive line can keep him off the ground. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, talking about uh, Ja'Shawn Corman, Damian Webb, Lawrence Toafili, that kind of three-headed monster, I think if there's one name out of that group that has really kind of started to clear a path a little bit, it's Ja'Shawn Corman. I mean, he seems to just get be getting more and more of the usage – you know, now it's still definitely a committee. I think Damian Webb has a clear number two staked out in there. But I, I see just Lawrence Toafili getting less and less action each week. You know, let me see here. Uh, didn't even pick up a single carry. Um, so I, I, I think that um, just Sean Corbin is clearly starting to emerge. I know he seemed like he was kind of a had a weak hold on his starting role at the beginning of the year. And then that kind of evaporated a little bit, but um, I, I think now he's kind of starting to emerge as a number one. So I, I, I do think that is a pretty good thing. You know, that is one maybe bright spot in this offense, you know, and especially playing behind a porous offensive line, you know, where gaps may be few and far between um, that he has been able to kind of do well, rush for 77 yards, five and a half uh, yards per carry and a touchdown. Uh, against NC State and I mean they're not pit you know it's not the best pass rush in the country or anything like that but NC State still is a solid front front four Um, so I think that you know his emergence will set the team up pretty well and then also the results of the rest of the running back committee um, I think that could be a key to build off of Um, not in the same way as it was with Cam Akers not here's the ball 35 times go figure out how to get 150 yards out of that but um definitely enough i think to keep opponents off balance you know which i think will be a key part of the offensive attack especially with travis's kind of unique skill set um that being said i think it might be our our score prediction time here for fsu football do we have to i don't want to do it (laughs) before i forget too i'm gonna give a Shameless plug for myself here. Um, I guess some uh, national recruiters thought I had a pretty good face for radio. They saw me on Facebook or whatever. They're like, all right, 
you know, let's give this kid a call. So I will be on Sirius XM ACC channel tomorrow, uh, Friday, um, at four o'clock. I'll be on with a uh, student reporter from Clemson University, and they will be asking me the same question. And that was my response, Jake, is do I have to do this? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's like what it's like three questions about this. I'm like, what what matchups are there that FSU could win in this game? So let's be. Let's be real here. Do you see Clemson scoring over or under 60? Over. Over? I'm going to be honest. Yeah. All right. I, I, have, I have my score prediction at 63-13, Clemson. 63-13. Oh, my Lord. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to be an optimist. I'm going to say Clemson does not put up 60 against FSU. I'm going to say they get very close. They put up 56. Um, And I'm going to say 56-10. to 10. All right. So, I mean, really, no good options here yeah. for Florida State yeah. University. Um, I mean, we'll just, but, hey, we, we did say that for the North Carolina game. It wasn't There wasn't much hope either, right? And that's true. Look that. that is very true. So, um, fingers crossed, you know, if we got a North Carolina outcome, I, I think pigs might fly before that happens. <laughs> I'm with you. But, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we can dream here. So um, now I know you are definitely the news of the day for you has been the NBA draft and, uh, and basketball. And we saw three uh, FSU players sign pretty quickly here. We saw Trent Forrest sign with the um, Utah Jazz. Uh, we saw Devin Williams or Devin Vassell, excuse me. He got drafted by the Spurs and we got Patrick Williams going to the Bulls. Now tell me what you like out of those or tell me what you think each team could gain from those players i'm super excited for all three of them they really deserved it and as much as i wanted to see them come back to florida state for another year i'm really happy that they got their bag and are moving on to bigger and better things so i think patrick williams was was the shock of the draft i think he was projected by jay billis to go 10 yeah and he ended up going four to the bulls which is huge i think they stole him away honestly and I saw a lot of stuff on social media afterwards saying, who is this guy? He didn't even start yeah. on Florida State's roster last That's year, right? That's a very misleading comment. You know, I mean, if you're looking at maybe every other team in the NCAA, that's a very fair criticism. But, I mean, if you're looking at Leonard Hamilton and Florida State to say, oh, he didn't start, well, yep. that does not tell you – that doesn't even give you part of the picture. Exactly. And – that young man, he works harder than anyone I've seen on offense on the court. His reflexes and athleticism is next to none. He uh, He's jumping all around. He's getting boards, getting rebounds. He, when he throws a shot up, he's already jumping up there, whether it's going in or not, to uh, try and put it back up. And he's just way quicker than anyone else when it comes to those reflexes. You can't beat it. So that's phenomenal. He's long and lengthy, just like a lot of the guys that Hamilton has. And I think – he can really, really develop his skills in the NBA with, with the coaching that they have. And that's and then true. On, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, you're good. I mean, he's definitely got the size. I think that's very clear. He's, what, 6'8", 225. I mean, I think he could definitely, you know, line up well against a lot of, you know, bigger power forwards, you know, those type of guys. Um, you know, but I, he, he'll certainly get tested. I think he's, though, you're right, he's just – reflexes are great he's just all over the place and then another guy obviously who's who's extremely extremely versatile for Florida State last year was Devin Vassell 
and now he seemed to kind of be almost a jack of all trades. How do you see him fit then in uh, in San Antonio? I think he's going to be great there. I think they needed someone young um, who's who's fresh and has a lot of energy and another lanky guy. But his biggest positive aspect is that he works hard on defense. You know, you see a lot of guys in the NBA, and it's kind of becoming a, a league-wide thing, is they don't play defense. It's all about offense. Scores are getting higher and higher as each year passes on. So when you find those teams that can play both defense and offense, that's huge. You saw it with the Heat in the finals. They played great defense. That's why they. That's one of the reasons why they made it there. Yeah. So having a, a stellar young player who, who is going to work hard and – on the defensive end and get you stopped when you need them, that, that is unmatched. Oh, I completely agree. And I'm just looking at uh, Trey Jones, who is the uh, next pick. Um, he's uh, the uh, Grizzlies guard, Tyus Jones, his younger brother. Um, right. Yeah. Trey Jones out of Duke. I mean, I'm definitely thinking if you're the Spurs defense is the name of the game in this draft. Um, especially with Devin. And then I know, uh, you know, Jones, just the hype around him and the defense that he played at Duke, you know, big part of the success that they had there. It's looking like that's, um, that's a clear priority for the Spurs. Maybe they, you know, want to take a page out of the Heat's book there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're definitely on, on the right track with that one. For sure. And then now, now um, Trent Forrest. Excuse me, the local guy. You know, he's from Chipley, Florida, just, uh, you know, going west down I-10. Um, how do you think he'll fit in with the Jazz? He's just a natural-born leader overall. I wish he would have gotten drafted last night. It was tough not to see him go in the second round because it could have happened either way. Was, he's kind of on the on the line there. So I'm really glad that the Utah Jazz decided to pick him up this morning and sign yeah. him to a two-way contract. So with that, he's going to spend most of his year in the G League, but he can spend up to 45 days with the Jazz. But in the G League, he can really showcase his skills and, and develop against better talent than he faced in college, which is going to be great for him. And he can spend a, a third of the season with the team if needed and they want to call him up. But I think this is going to, uh, this season's going to be a, a step, a step ladder into the NBA, hopefully in the future. And Overall, Trent's a natural-born leader. You see how he came in and took took the reign over his senior year at Florida State and really guided the team to wins. He's got the clutch gene in him. Whenever you need him late in games to hit free throws, he does not miss. So so the Jazz really signed a great guy. Oh, 100%. And I think if you're – if you are um... – Leonard William or Leonard Hamilton, excuse me. You've got to be thrilled about this. I mean, it really seems like this FSU team is is starting to get. Would you call it overdue recognition, or or what do you think there? I would say so. And if you look at the past two years, just in the draft with Terrence Mann and Mufandu Cabangeli and Patrick Williams, now Devin Vassell, Trent Forrest, five guys in two years. That's basically unheard of, unless you're a an amazing team like in the past, Duke, North Carolina, guys like New, uh, Blue Bloods, like those guys. So, yeah, Hamilton needs a lot more respect. The amount of guys that he's putting in the draft right now is unbelievable. And if you're a high school guy who's who's talented, you definitely need to look Florida State's way. Oh, 100%. I'll give you, I'll give you a quote here um, that I, I think you'll love. It's from Coach Ham. We beat out North Florida and Presbyterian for Devin Vassell. 
we beat out Binghamton for Kevin Kelly. The two big boys in Carolina didn't offer Patrick. How do we do with those guys? I mean, he's kind of just the talent that he is seeing. I, I don't know what what's being glossed over, but you know, he's clearly got, you know, he, he, uh, those are three picks right there. So I mean, and yeah, three three recent NBA draft picks. So I mean, he's clearly got an eye on some great talent. Speaking of some incoming talent, I know there's some um, obviously big shoes to fill on this team. But we've got guys like Scotty Barnes coming in, and I know the hype around him has just been unbelievable. You know, tell me what you think about some of the guys coming in this year. Yeah, just overall, I'm super excited for Scotty Barnes to be there. Uh, I, I truly believe that he's going to be a starter. Obviously, Hamilton and, and his crew haven't announced anything yet, rightfully so. We, they don't want to let their opponents know who's who's going out there on the court, so I get it. But I, I truly yeah. believe he's going to have a ton of minutes. I think he'll be a one-and-done if I had to predict. So he, he's going to be great. I mean, you look at him, his length, again, 6'9", 227. How can you find that in a point guard Yeah, or a shooting guard? You just don't find that anymore. So for him to have ball handling skills and to be able to get up and down the court at that size quickly is truly unbelievable. And, and obviously he's rated a five-star for those reasons. But the other guy who's not being talked about enough is Sadar Calhoun. He is a, a three-star but currently a junior. He's, he's a transfer right now. And he's really shown some talent in his first two years in college at Missouri University. And um, But I really think that he's going to be a sleeper pick for the Knowles this year. I think he's going to get a lot of great minutes off the bench. And he's a really talented guard that we're going to need. I was talking to a few of the players, MJ Walker and Raekwon Gray, on Zoom the other day. And they were asked by someone else who was a part of the call, who brings the most energy to the team? and gets you guys hyped up before practices or, or games so far this, this year. And they all astoundingly said Sadar Calhoun and Scotty Barnes together, their young energy and just hype and excitement is unmatched. And just hearing that from those guys was unbelievable. It means that they really want to be at Florida State and they really care and, and want to win games. Oh, 100%. You know, I mean, I think just, yeah, from what we have been hearing out of basketball recently – I mean, the excitement level, at least for me, you know, maybe I'm not as, I can't remember as far back, but this is, I mean, unmatched for me, you know, going into any any basketball season that I can think of. And the good thing for Florida State fans is that Florida State will be opening up their season uh, next Friday against Gardner-Webb. Um, obviously, big threat there, Jake. And then uh, North Florida, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, some of these, upsets that we see at the beginning of the season you know I, I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but um I think Florida State will be very well equipped I think obviously the big two games will be the next two um they'll be playing IU and that ACC Big Ten challenge obviously we saw IU just mop the floor with Florida State last year and then Florida do you see um Florida State extending their winning streak against the Gators this year I I totally see it happening I think that Obviously, you can't undermine the smaller schools like a Gardner-Webb in North Florida, who we play the first two games of the season. But I, don't, I really don't think we're going to have any problem with them, if I had to guess. But it's revenge season against Indiana. We got beat by them in a close matchup last year, and, and there are some calls that could have went either way. So I, I don't believe that Leonard Hamilton and his coaching staff really forgot that one easily. So it's definitely re revenge season for that game. I, I can see it going going our way. In, in Florida, I 
I mean, it's one of the biggest matchups in, 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 I would say in the United States, Florida, Florida state, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, any sport. And the Knolls are going to bring all the energy. It's at home, so that's a huge advantage. And I think we extend our winning streak to seven in a row. Yeah. Yeah, seven in a row. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, I think it's very obvious that uh, Coach Ham is uh, Mike White's daddy. Uh, <laughs> I was down in uh, Gainesville for that game last year. That was quite a game. Um, obviously a great day for Florida State fans. And they packed the O'Connell Center um in Gainesville now the good thing is the Gators will have to come up to Tallahassee for that game this year so I think that'll give FSU I mean just the statistics about their success at the tuck is 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 mind-boggling so I mean I don't know that they'll have as pronounced of a home of a home stadium advantage but I mean just what three four losses the last couple years at the tuck you know, just is, is unbelievable. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a it's a very tough environment to play in. We went undefeated there last season. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to go in there and get an easy win, that's for sure. And I think teams know that by now. Over the past three, four, five seasons, uh, we haven't had a lot of losses there. So it, it's becoming a known thing that it's not an easy environment to play in. And even with COVID, the null zone in the, in the student section and all the Florida State fans who are there are going to bring as much energy as possible to make that difficult. Absolutely. So um, now going to that IU game, do you see the uh, Knowles pulling that one out? I do. I think it's close, like always. IU's always gotten a great basketball program. It's kind of surprising. But, yeah, props to them. They always have a great coaching staff, whether it's Tom Herman or whoever else is in there. Um, but I, I think we do get our revenge and, and pull that one out. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm certainly hoping so. I will be turning 22 on the day of that game. So uh, that would be a great birthday gift for me. You know, if any FSU basketball players are listening to this one, you know, um, <laughs> I'd love to see you win. Definitely. I would love to see you win, you know. Um, now, as we wrap up here, I do want to give a big shout out to FSU soccer. They uh, closed out an undefeated season with an ACC tournament victory, uh, a 3 nothing. um Excuse me, was it 3 nothing? It was 3-2. 3-2. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Forgive me. I was like, wait, there's no way it was that. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I think it was about as textbook. I, I think UNC did about as well as they could matching just kind of the offensive firepower of Florida State. They were able to um, keep pace with Florida State pretty well with shots on goal. Florida State had nine. UNC had eight. But, um, I mean, I think from what my recollection is, just FSU's ability to retain the ball, possess the ball for such, for such a long time, especially in the first half, and, um, you know, just make it go sideways for UNC. Um, I mean, especially making it 2 nothing in six minutes, you know, it was up, yeah, 3 nothing. Um, you know, with just just before halftime. Um, you know, Florida State kind of ran away with it and was able to hold on despite UNC putting up two in the second half. So, uh, I mean, just an unbelievable season. I think it was there were zero minutes overall that Florida State trailed the entire season. Honestly, you know, if I was going to start putting my money on teams to make a run towards the uh, NCAA tournament that is uh, proposed for spring, I, I don't know that there's many other teams in the country you know, barring anything calamitous happening to this team 
that uh, could really keep up with them. Yeah, I agree with you. They have been unbelievable in all aspects of play this this season with only giving up six goals the entire season, which is really unbelievable to think about. And on the offensive side of things, there's just so many people who can score on you. It's it's crazy. So many weapons that um, Mark Corian has on his team. So that's that's great. And just beating number one at the time, North Carolina, in the ACC championship, like how unbelievable was that? It was a close game, three to two, highly competitive. Florida State was number two, so technically the underdogs, and they just showed a lot of fight and, and got that win. And the the biggest positive thing that came out of that is that now they're automatically guaranteed a spot into the NCAA tournament, which yes, is sir. to happen in the spring. So that tournament has been reduced from 68 to either 48 or 42 teams. So less teams are getting in. And now that they won the ACC championship, they don't have to worry about how all these other schools do in the spring when they have their conference games and seasons because they are automatically guaranteed a spot. So that's really unbelievable. Yeah. No, that'll be fascinating for them. And I think that's a, that's a team that maybe falls under the radar a little bit, especially with the, um, you know, constant media circus around football and now basketball. Um, so that'll be very exciting, um, I think, as the season gets underway. So, um, Jake, any final thoughts from you? I know, obviously, you're going to be – it'll be a very exciting season watching probably the most overall – the biggest distribution of FSU talent in the NBA for you. So, but uh, any final thoughts from you? Definitely, yeah. So I, I look forward to, to all – to what's to come for Florida state teams. It's, it's going to be, it's been an interesting year. It's going to continue to be an interesting year overall. I am definitely most excited for basketball. That season is right around the corner and January 2nd, mark your calendars, Florida state versus Duke. It's going to be a fun one. I hope so many people tune, tune in. I hope the Tucker center can reach its limited c- capacity with COVID. And uh, yeah, so, so that's the game that I'm, I'm really looking forward to, but, Overall, thanks for having me on. It was great talking with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I might be driving up for that game. Um, And, again, uh, you can catch Jake and I's work in the FSBU. Um, It's on campus uh, on Mondays in the white distribution boxes, and it is online 24-7, 365. So, again, Jake Mossing, friend of the podcast, thanks so much for coming on. For sure. Have a good one.